Okay, we are going through um, some basic doctrine. We're still talking about God. We're going to be talking about the nature of God and uh, some of the characteristics of God uh, from uh, for a little while here. Uh, we talked last week about his basic nature. That's really loud. Um, his basic nature being uh, his... Uh, Identity as one and yet three at the same time, plural, and then got more specific. Uh, we are going to hold off on, on talking about Christ specifically, because we're going to break it up and talk about each individual here in, in, uh, separately, their work and their person. But we want to talk just about basically about God. And, and as we move on, we're still talking about what we would call their impersonal character or his impersonal character, however you want to approach that from the, pos- uh, the, the, the perspective of uh, the, uh, the Trinity or, or God's plurality. But uh, we want to look at God's characteristics, uh, still without uh, regards to how he interacts as with us. Those, those things we'll handle separately. Um, and uh, again, as, I'll just, I've got to go through it, but uh, this is the book that we're working from. It's, uh, Bonnie and David said they found it pretty cheaply, so uh, that was, it's brand new, like $60, so that's why we didn't hand them out to everybody, but, uh, but they said they found a copy for like 15 bucks, so online used. Uh, which it's a it's heavy reading. It's a textbook for a college class. So, um, so it's a uh, it's not light reading um, <laughs> at all. Um, so, so we want to look at uh, what would you say is God's uh, most notable <coughs> characteristic in terms of uh, really how any. Any people approach the idea of God, regardless of their religious background. How do people, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a God? Now, there's all sorts of different ideas about God's character, um, how, how people think he is. But, but what's one thing that pretty much all have in common? Okay, so, so not even that, actually. Love. Love. Okay, so 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 that's his that's his character as it relates to us. But I'm talking about his 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 just his existence. Creator. Okay, all powerful is an aspect of this. So omniscience and om, uh, uh, all powerful those are those are elements of something. What's that? Supreme? Okay. We, we, all of these things come from one characteristic, and we would call it his infinity. God, God has to be infinite. We're not going to get really into evidences. Uh, we, we've kind of discussed that before when we, uh, when we went through evidences for God. And that's, that's kind of a different, uh, that's separate from uh, our theology in terms of looking at the scriptures. But but we would find it there in the scriptures as well. Uh, but his his infinity, his his th- that 
there has to be something which does not depend on anything else. He has to be, uh, you know, there's the, the theory of the, the end, what we call the endless line of drunks, uh, is, the, the, is a lot of people's theory of the universe. And, you know, like, well, this was caused by this. Well, and that was caused by this. And it, it, kind of the idea that, you know, uh, could an infinite line of drunk people hold each other up? You know, and, and that's, that's the theory of the universe by, by many people. Well, well, that happened by this. There has to be something that didn't depend upon something else. Uh, that was the, the reason for all of these other things. So when we look at God's infinity, what does, the, what does it mean to be infinite? Okay, that, that's, a, that's one aspect. So, so that's in, uh, that has to do with um, his, we, we would talk about his eternity. Right, that, so eternity is one element of infinite. If something is infinite, uh, and we, we are going to look at time, and we're going to look kind of in one, in one moment, God is, without regards to future or past, God is infinite right now. In other words, uh, the, the idea of being infinite is that it is unlimited. It it has, there is nothing which re- represents an obstacle. So time represents no obstacle to God. But yet right now, in this moment, there is nothing spatially that represents an obstacle to God. There's no force, no anything. He is infinite. Uh, he has everything that he needs. Right. He, he, he is self-existent. Right? He, he, he needs nothing from anybody else, including us. Right? He doesn't need me. A lot of times people ask, act like God needs us. God doesn't need me. Uh, he created me for his pleasure, for, uh, for the pleasure of relationship, which is what we're going through. And this is why this all relates to getting closer to God this, uh, as we're going through that, that concept this year. And so uh, the first uh, thing that we're going to look at is God's infinity uh, with... Uh, uh, with regard to uh, his omnipresence. What does it mean to be omnipresent? And this is probably the most vague, and that's why I'm starting here, actually, uh, because it has several elements that kind of affect some of the other ones. What does it mean to be omnipresent? Okay. Uh, that's exactly what it means. Now, uh, I want to uh, look at Romans, and we're actually going to look at this twice, once today in the class and once in the sermon. This is, this is a foundational verse when we talk about um, the nature of God. This verse comes up a lot. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Someone wants to read that. Romans 1, 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay, so, so this gets into his 
uh, his eternity. Uh, we, when we speak of God, I want to look at also Psalms 93 too. When we speak of God, we have to make sure that we're clear um, that we're speaking of his prior eternity as well. I'll explain what I mean by that. Psalms 93 2. Okay, so, so the, the, there's a difference between God and, say, angels, or even us. We have been created in the image of God, meaning we have a soul, and meaning that there will be, we will experience eternity. But we will experience it uh, with a beginning point and moving forward. And this is where our mind gets blown. Because we can sort of, we think chronologically from a point and go forward. It's very difficult for us to back up in time and, and think about it before. So uh, criminologists will, will, will do this when they're uh, looking at somebody who is, they think is telling a lie. They'll ask them, oh, here, here's, what did you do and what did you do and what did you do? And, and a good liar can make up a story in chronological order from a point here. But then they'll say, can you tell me in reverse order? And they can't do it. Almost never. Because our minds don't work that way. And that's where they... If you actually experienced it, then you can do that. But if you're making it up, you can't. And um, so our minds try to imagine a day before yesterday and a day before yesterday and do that eternally. It, It boggles your mind. Imagine, how do you explain that God didn't begin. Well, the, what happened a million years before that? And what happened a trillion years before that? He always was. <laughs> what do you mean he always was? We, our mind does just, it, it kind of explodes when you start <laughs> trying to figure that out. But God is eternal f- from eternity. He's, he's literally from eternity. And that, that doesn't exist in our universe. That, it doesn't compute to us. Um, and so, he is omnipresent in time. If you think of that, this, this affects his eternity. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 kind of illustrate this as well. We talked about God's description as being Elohim. Uh, in Genesis that's how, uh, chapter 1, that's how he's introduced to us. Je- Exodus uh, three fourteen and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Okay, so, so as we read this in English, it, it uh, doesn't necessarily make sense to us because in, in the Hebrew, they would automatically connect the phrase I am 
with the name Lord. This is a new name. This is not Elohim. This is what we call Jehovah. We, we put the J in. They don't have a J. But this, this would be what we call Yahweh. And I am is the, the phrase Ayah. And Yah is the root of that. And it, it has to do with being self-existent and not... It's a reference to his eternity. I am has sent you. What? What do you mean, I am? I am yesterday. I am tomorrow. I am. I am. God's self-existence, it needs, he doesn't live with a context of time. God just is. Yeah, I am. That, that, that's why we can't wrap ourselves around God existing the day before yesterday because we're, we're trying to put him into the confines of time, of chronology. And God says that I, where I am, there is no time. There, there's not yesterday. There's not tomorrow. Those are things that belong to you. But they don't belong to me. That's, that's really the explanation for why God always was. Because really God always is. And that's different. Uh, so, so this actually became the basis of his name. Uh, that he wanted to be known by at that point. I am. My eternity. I, he wanted to, just, I think, overwhelm people's capability to think with his name. <laughs> like, what? I am. Just just say that. Uh, so, Andrew, that seems to contradict the previous verse that David read in Psalm 92, where it says, your throne was established long ago, which seems to indicate that yeah. That's not what this... No, it's not. And, and I think the, the reason is because it's... So, so Psalms is... David is, I, I think, doing what we all do when we encounter this thought. He's trying to wrap his mind around it. Well, it was established long ago. Yeah, how long ago? <laughs> that's the problem. That, that's where my brain goes, oh, I can't, I'm getting an ice cream headache. I'm trying to think about where it started. And I mean, and, and as we we have the advantages of being in a computer age where we think about digits that are they they didn't understand exponential things. They didn't understand trillions or zillions or whatever. They didn't understand those concepts, and we still can't figure. Imagine being a king in a very small world, trying to figure this out. It just boggle your mind. So I think that probably is where those two verses come together, those two ideas come together. Uh, but that's a, a good thought. So, so he's omnipresent in time, and maybe that's harder, but almost as hard to figure out is, is God's omnipresence or all presence even in one moment in time. Now, how do you suppose that this, how, how do other religions misunderstand this idea? There's, there's an idea of God's omnipresence in, in different theologies that, uh, and I'm not even talking about different churches, I'm talking about completely different world religions. God's all presence. How, how is that misunderstood? 
Okay. So what we would call pantheism. Some people take this concept, not that they're working from the Bible's concept, but they're trying to wrap their own minds around God. <laughs> and they come up with the idea, well, well, God must be infinite, so I'm a part of creation, and, and the grass is a part of creation, and, and this is existence, so if God is everywhere, and God is all-present, then that means I'm God. I'm a part of God. I'm a, I'm a part of his energy and the grass is a part of his energy, and, and, and we get into what's called pantheism. That's not what God is saying. Why can that not be true? Because I think when you start saying that, then you start to think how you can provide your own salvation. Okay, that, that would be a, an application of that. But science... science. That's a Okay. Okay. That's that's also true. Our power is definitely limited. Yeah, I feel very limited. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, as someone says, I need a God that's bigger than me. You know, I need a God I can't understand. Uh, because if I can understand him, he fits in my mind, and if he fits in my mind, then he's no. He can't offer me any solutions. But I have a beginning. We go back to that idea. I am limited, not just by my ability. But I'm, I'm limited in time. Going backwards, I'm, I'm limited. There's a point. There's a cutoff point. Uh, all created things have this cutoff point. And so, so if there's a point at which I didn't exist and I am God, then there's a point at which a part of God did not exist. And that, that simply physically cannot be true. God exists apart from my universe. The, the, the universe is a created thing. <coughs> God's, I think maybe the, the, the easier way to understand God's omnipresence is, is to look at it, you know, it's easy for God. We think, because to us the universe is huge, where, do, like, where does it end? It almost feels infinite. It's not. It has borders. It has whatever. We don't know where that is and what that looks like, but, but it is limited. The material universe is, is limited. And we think it's so big from our perspective. And so we think, well, how can God be way over there? And then be way over here? Well, because he's, he's holding it on his finger. And he looks at all of it. And he, he's just so immense. Yes, I'm, I'm here and I'm here. <laughs> yes, you're, 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 it's a different perspective. Um. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, if you want to read that. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Yes, it's it's a, a long, it's a long section, and it's it's very rich. It's very deep about God's relationship to His creation, and and, and again, David is trying to 
He, it's boggling his mind. Where can I go? How, how, how can I run away from where you're at? Someone should have told this to Jonah. <laughs> Was that what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah, no. Like, hey, guess what? I showed up. <laughs> Man, I'm on the boat. I thought I got away. No, no, no. You're right there. You were there yesterday, but now you're right there. <laughs> Another one, Acts chapter 17. And uh, I really like what um, he says about, about this verse, um, uh, what Jack Cottrell says about this passage. It's something that, that it's an application of this. Acts seventeen twenty seven and 28. Okay. Well, it doesn't seem to be talking about God's eternity, yet it's relating an element of it to it. God is not far from any one of us. That, that, that's, you know, on the other side of the planet. God's not far from them. And that every point of creation, this is an observation he made, everything about creation is not far from us. We think of it as this distance. Well, in the universe, yeah, that's to me that's a long that's a long way. Yeah. But God's like, hmm, you're not very far. You're right there. And every every point of our existence, everything in this creation is a contact point between us and God. You can get to God from any point of things you're experiencing, any point of creation, it all is right there at God. And that, that's, it, it makes God so much closer. This is, uh, this idea, it was a way, one of those ways that people tried to pull the Jonah and get away from God is called deism. It was just a, it was just a Jonah trick. We want to get away from God and do what we want to do. So we're going to pretend that God is way out there because that's how we understand the universe. God's way out there. He just made it all and just kind of sits over there and he's off in Hawaii, his own personal Hawaii, doing whatever he does, leaving us alone to have our own fun here. Deism. And, and, and God's like, hmm, no, not far at all. Not far at all. So, so that's his, his omnipresence. Uh, well, what then is the next? We're going to talk about God's omniscience. What is omniscience? What's that? Okay, his all-knowing and all-seeing. And that, that's why I handled that first one, because it really is, they're all connected. They're all different aspects of the same thing, God's infinity. If you're everywhere, I can see everything. And that, that seems obvious. I want to look again. It, it's true in time, and it's true in space at one moment in time. I want to look at Proverbs 15, 3. 
Proverbs 15.3. So David's son continues the quest for trying to figure out God. Okay, so this, uh, this idea, again, you're not running far from me, and, and I'm, I am watching what you're doing. Uh, I am, my eyes are everywhere. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4. Again, and remember, the, the idea is God is not limited by anything. He's not limited by distance, but... Uh, here's another thing that he is not limited by. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, so what else is not a limit to God? Okay. What I, what I would hide inside of me, God's like, yeah, I can see that too. What? I thought it was secret. No, no I can read your mind. Uh, this is the concept. Of, I mean, you see this, David's like, what? Or, or excuse me, Daniel, uh, I can I can tell your dream. It's an impossible task you've asked, except for God, because God knows what you dreamed. I don't remember what I dreamed. Next step, like, ah, God knows your dreams. God knows your thoughts, your motives, your your intentions. Like that's even vague. That's not even a concrete thought. Sometimes the, the things that motivate you are very vague. God knows what they are. You see, you see, yes. It's like you look in Acts whenever they're, you know, in the section about God's sovereignty. And before Jacob and Esau were even born, before they did anything, I love Jacob, but I hated Esau. He yeah. already knew all that stuff beforehand, before they were even born, about what they were going to do. Okay, so, so that's the other limit. Let's get to that. He is not, his, his sight is not limited by time. That's impressive. I can guess what somebody's going to do. Maybe, right, because they have habits. There's, there's instincts. Or, or there's a, a, a pattern of behavior. Like, if this happens, there's a good chance that my son is going to do this. Or, you know, that's, we're, we get good at predicting but that's not knowing because you as a parent you 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 predict and then they get upset because they didn't do that well, you judged me oh that's true i did I, I i really didn't know god knows in fact um isaiah chapter 41 god offers a challenge Isaiah 41, verse 21 through 23. We're going through Isaiah and, and Jeremiah. We haven't quite got to here yet, so on Wednesday nights. Isaiah 41, 21 through 23. 
present your case, says the Lord. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king. Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were, so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds, so we may know that you are gods. Do something, whether good or bad, so that we will be dismayed and filled with fear. But you are less than nothing, and your works are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you is detestable. Hmm. So God says, here's the... Uh, Here's the application. Uh, you can fill this out. Job application for becoming a god. You've got to be able to predict the future. These are prerequisites for the position. <laughs> if you can accurately predict the future, okay, you're welcome in. Tell, tell me what the things. And he says, tell us the former things. Well, we have history books. Really? God, God does these tricks where he tells us things that, that we didn't know about the past. And it's not a prediction. He knows what's going to happen. Yeah. It, and that's evidence because the scripture goes through and it's like they're like to the day, to the year type predictions. People's names. Yeah, here's a guy in Persia. We're, we're still here. We haven't even been conquered by Babylon yet. But I'm going to tell you that after Babylon... And how long, by the way, 70 years, they're going to be in power. Oh, okay, 70 years. And then this guy named Cyrus, who's going to come from Persia. And it happens. Yeah. And, and, and God doesn't, you don't make, this is not Nostradamus stuff. Like, oh, yeah, some kind of future thing, something's going to happen. You know, this isn't like a fortune-telling trick. God knows. God does this other trick where he tells us things we didn't know from the past. Because history is not really that accurate all the time, how we record it. Paul's writing the history of, of things. And all of a sudden, he uses these two names, Jans and Jambres. But who are they? Oh, those are the people back when those are the two uh, sages or... Uh, Pharaoh's wise men. Those are those two names. You didn't know that. I just, I just gave you that. It's just information I have. God is all-seeing. He's all-knowing. Um, there are so many things. He says, I, I know the hairs on your head. How do you just contain all of this information? It's almost like, I mean, he's he's infinite, but he has to, because he created time and space and physics and, and all that, he has to kind of switch off, you know, that infiniteness to be able to comprehend, okay, this, for you and your universe, this is history, this would be future, this is, you know, and he has to kind of like think in, in, to be able to communicate that to man. Yeah, he's got to dumb it down a touch to, to get to us. <laughs> and, and this is why we, this is, to think about how far down he's got to communicate that and put it in words that we can even understand. That's another aspect of, of, of God's infinity that he can do that. 
consider ourselves very technologically advanced. You look how much information is in the world being stored on devices all around the world and how much just raw information there is everywhere. That's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing compared to what he knows about what happened before and what's happening now and what's going to happen. That helps boggle the mind a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you notice that no matter what topic we talk about God, our mind gets to a point where it goes enough. It, this is what, what is meant by his infinity. No matter where we go in God's nature, we come to the concept of if infinity, and I can't imagine it. it. It's too big for my mind. By the way, just like a sneak preview, when we get to God's personal characteristics, it's going to be the same way. There's going to be things that our mind go, no, I can't, I can't. I mean, that's why we have books and things stored digitally in the first place, because we can't fit it all in there. Yes, yes. Right, like... We're, in, in pretty simple terms, we're extremely limited in the amount of stuff that we can remember. I mean, we forget stuff two days ago. Oh, no. I mean, just... I tell Katie, listen, I'm going to the store. If there's more than three things, you've got to send me a text. Because I'm not going to come home with... The, like, there's, there's a list of three things. And if you add more to that, the first one went off. I'm, the first thing I thought of when I went to the store, I'm coming home without it. There's three things. And if, if you add four and I don't have a text, I'm going to wander around the store going, I know there's four things and I don't know what the first one is. That's, I'm limited. I'm extremely limited in my capability. And God goes, oh yeah, every bird that's ever died. I, I know that too. My, my, my brain is designed by God to actually filter out that information. Like, that's not necessary. You don't need to know that. You don't need that. It, it, it's too much information for you. You can't handle that. So, so my brain automatically kicks out information. Yeah. I believe it was John Clayton in his book, The Source, that pointed out the 2D versus the 3D. Trying to explain to a two-dimensional person who only knows 2D what 3D is could be pretty mind-blowing. So. Yeah, yeah. How, anything like that. How do you explain color to a, a blind person? This is, this is the immensity of God. We just simply can't operate on, on that level. Our, our minds are not designed for it. You know, it'd be like trying to run whatever program, go back and I, I had an old, old phone I dug out and try to download an app and run it on it. It's it just kind of funny. Like, <laughs> your phone ain't doing nothing for a while now. It just froze. And it was, I think it was like an iPhone 4 or 5 or whatever. It was her brother's old phone. <laughs> We were going to give it to one of the kids just to have... No, nothing works on it. And that's our mind. It, it doesn't work on that level. So he is omniscient. So then what is the last element of his infinity? Well, we could go into a lot, but, but the last one of the three. He's all-powerful. This is one of his names. Another one of his names. 
All these things, by the way, become names for him. The Almighty. He is unlimited. His power is unlimited. Second uh, Kings chapter 20, verse 9. We're going to look at a couple of aspects of this. Second Kings 20 and verse 9. Yeah, I did. I did. We're, we're going to come up on time. Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or shall it go back ten steps? Now, I don't know what God did here, but whatever he did... It defied the laws of physics. Now, he either refracted light to make it look like the sun was going backwards, and it didn't really. Or, or more amazingly, because we know how the universe operates, to think of everything that God would have done here, to make the sun go back a couple of steps means he reversed the rotation of the earth. Think of all the gravitational things on every human being and plant and everything that had to be done to make that happen without us like <laughs> completely flying off the earth and, and causing like, all of the forces that would have to happen. Either way, he did that. We can't. God's like, yeah, forces of nature, no problem. Oh, here's gravity. Okay, you guys are going to walk through on dry ground. I'm just going to make water not seek its own level for a little bit. <laughs> oh, you look at dead people. Oh, yeah, they've been dead for a few days. Yeah, that's... that's death. Okay. Death. Yeah, that's another power of nature. Not a big deal to me. The only thing sure is death and taxes. Yeah, not so much. Not to me. Um... In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. We kind of talked about Daniel already. Uh, in the dream. But in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. He shows another thing that does not limit his power. Okay, so, so God's like, yeah, governments, not so much. I, I don't want this person to be, a, here's a government, here's a, here's a all-powerful empire. Yeah, in fact, you're not even going to know they existed when I'm done with them. That, that's not hard for God. Nothing is hard. Any enemies, any opponents to God, there's, there's no force, no power. We, again, we don't have time to get into all of these. There's just the entire Bible is really a thesis on God's infinity, Mark. Oh, and even scattered throughout the Old Testament, any battle that the Israelites ever won. How, how many people should we take? Should we take all these people? No, sort of no. No, sort of no. <laughs> you can take a couple guys against this entire army, and you're still going to win this yeah. time there. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that all powerful is a one out of the ones we discussed that we could actually grasp. All the other ones is hard for us to actually of, but if you do believe that God is the creator of the world, you can see evidence of his power everywhere. And like a powerful 
waterfall or lightning or crashing ocean waves or any of that stuff? I would say, I'd say you're right in that it's the, probably the one that we come the closest to grasping because we see evidence of it. Right? We, we see God's power. Every day it's around us. And that's what, that's what Romans 1 says. When you see nature, when, this is the, one of the things. You see his eternity. You see his demonstration of power. And we are impressed by it. I can't grasp it. I, I can't grasp how God can do the things that God can do. Uh, but but, but I, I agree that this is probably the closest my brain can because it doesn't, it doesn't ask me to go back, you know, eternity in my mind. Uh, but as we look at the application, I think we want to get into the idea that Romans 8 says, listen, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is in your corner, you have an infinity of power behind you. Or you're behind the infinity of power, letting it do its thing. But, but what can be against you? What, what opponent is there? Oh, here's a really tall guy. <laughs> I got that. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. Number one, they're not even burned up. Right. But when they come out, there's no like, singe on them. There's no sports. There's no smell, uh, smoke. Nothing. Every story is that in the Every story. God is like trying to communicate his awesome awesome ability in every way his ability to know me his ability to help me it is comforting to know that if all others forsook me not that they would but if all others forsook me I would have God that is another way that that our mind can't can't comprehend so we're going to close there Thanks for the comments. Very good comments.